Welcome to an emergency edition of the Raptor Show. I'm Blake Murphy. I will have William Liu on with me in a little bit. I will have Michael Grange on with me in a little bit. The reason we are doing this headline item, OG Ananobi has been traded to the New York Knicks. Uh, details are still coming in on the exact specifics, but the way we have it right now via Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, Shams Charania of The Athletic, and uh, Doug Smith of the Toronto Star is that this deal will send OG Ananobi, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn to the New York Knicks. The Raptors will get in return RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and a 2024 second round pick. Uh, that comes via the Detroit Pistons, so a high second-round pick in 2024. Uh, initial reaction on this one is that only getting a second-round pick back seems light, but keep in mind here that R.J. Barrett is still on the younger end. He has three more years under contract. Yes, he makes between 25 and $30 million in each of those seasons, but given the rising salary cap, given his connections to the city, given the impressions around New York that maybe he was a change of scenery candidate, um, this seems like a decent buy-low on Barrett. But the headline item here is Emmanuel Quickly. Emmanuel Quickly is in the last year of his rookie scale deal. He's set to be a restricted free agent this offseason. The Raptors won't be able to extend him before the offseason, but they get him in-house. They get a couple months to look at him here to evaluate his fit with Scotty Barnes and perhaps Pascal Siakam, although we'll see if there's a separate Siakam deal coming in the next six weeks or so. Um, Emmanuel quickly is the headline item. He is a very, very good point guard. He is someone who's been blocked a little bit minutes and role-wise with the Knicks because of the presence of future all-star Jalen Bronson. Um Quickly is a guy that I identified in a sportsnet.ca piece a couple of weeks back talking about potential guys if the Raptors chose to sell. Who would be out there that still has maybe that star potential to tap into? And because of situation or timing or them just not being there yet, uh, they could maybe reach another level in, in a new stop. And Emmanuel Quickly was one of those names that I identified. I, I was a little skeptical. I joked in the piece that, yeah, the Raptors making a trade with the Knicks at this point is a little uh, unlikely because, you know, you're talking about uh, two teams that are currently in a legal battle right now. Uh, the Knicks and the Ra the Knicks suing the Raptors, uh, of course, and, and we don't need to catch you up on all of that if you haven't heard it. But um, yeah, it's it's funny to see these two teams once again do another deal. Now, again, so if you are just tuning in, OG Ananobi dealt to the Knicks, uh, reportedly Precious, Achua, and Malachi Flynn are in the deal. The Raptors will get back Emmanuel Quickly, who is headed to restricted free agency this offseason. They'll get back R.J. Barrett, um, and they'll get back a second-round pick, which, yeah, you, you probably don't feel any kind of way about a second-round pick, but considering that O.G. Ananobi can become an unrestricted free agent this offseason, that there were rumblings that he could make a lot of money in unrestricted free agency, maybe more than the Raptors were willing to pay, given a potential tweak in timeline uh, around the Scotty Barnes core. It's a pretty good return. The Raptors need to uh, restock the draft asset pool anyway. Um, so even a, a high second in, in a weaker draft is still, you know, somewhat relevant to them, but quickly and Bar Barrett are the, the headline items here. I know everyone in Toronto is probably uh, very familiar with RJ Barrett and his game at this point. To me, the he the headline item is losing OG Ananobi, who has been an excellent, excellent, excellent Toronto Raptor since day one. One of the very best 3 and D players in all of basketball. You know, a guy who has consistently knocked down 40 plus percent of his catch and shoot threes. A guy who 
is among the league leaders every year in corner threes hit. Maybe his offensive self-creation game hasn't quite been able to develop in Toronto the way he'd hoped or fans had hoped, but this is still a very, very good player who can give you 16, 18 points a night without commanding the ball too much. For a team like the New York Knicks that has a couple of ball-dominant guys in Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, that's a really, really nice fit. It's a great upgrade on the R.J. Barrett spot for them in the short term, and I would imagine their intention is to re-sign him long-term using his bird rights as a UFA this offseason. Um, potentially, they could extend him over the next couple of days, but OG might want to uh, to wait and kind of bet on himself and see what the market is like in the offseason. Um, yes, there's also the Canadian element with RJ Barrett, which I know some people get a kick out of. But quickly, for anyone who doesn't isn't familiar with him, you know, he's still just 24 years old. He's a number 25 pick in 2020, um, kind of an instant success for the Knicks and looked like maybe he would grow into something bigger, but they acquired Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson continued his ascension to all-star status. And, you know, that playing time hasn't necessarily uh, been there for quickly, at least to expand his role from very good backup to, you know, starter level player. He is, you know, profile wise, maybe a bit more of a two guard than a point guard. Um, he's six foot three, so he's nominally a point guard. Um, but, you know, he's more of a score first option. He, he certainly can pass, um, but he's near the bottom of the league in terms of guards with respect to uh, assist rate relative to how often you shoot the ball. Now he can tap into more of that. The Raptors have a different system. Um, he'll probably have a little bit more freedom to play with that and play off of Scotty Barnes. So we'll see. But the big thing is that he can really, really get to the rim. Now he's also a pretty good three-point shooter, not elite, but he hits about 37%. Uh, he creates a lot of those threes for himself. So that's a really important skill when we're talking about can this guy's skill set scale up in larger usage. Um, yeah, and again, he gets into the paint, something that the Raptors have lacked uh, for a long time. Defensively, he's not quite the steel hawk that the Raptors have liked, but he's a good defensive rebounder for his size and like Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, someone who is comfortable grabbing a defensive rebound and pushing off of that. Uh, there's a lot to dissect here. We're going to talk to William Liu in a little bit. We'll try to get someone from the Knicks side as well. Uh, but right now, joining us, I believe on his way to Detroit for uh, the Super Bowl of Futility tonight, uh, it's Michael Grange of Sportsnet, of Sportsnet.ca. Grange, how you doing, man? I'm good, Mike. I'm good. That's, uh, that's a good summary. Um, very interesting uh, deal. Um, yeah, no, there's a couple of really interesting elements to it, for sure. I guess uh, at, at first, your initial reaction when you see the, the Woj bomb or however you found out come down, the, the fact that OG is being dealt and he's being dealt right now, that the Raptors finally made a decision. They didn't string this out until the trade deadline. Obviously, this is not quite a, a pure sell move. Quickly and Barrett are young, but they are guys who you'd anticipate you know, being able to help now. They were rotation pieces on a very good team. Um, what do you make of the fact that this is a deal for guys who can slot in and maybe not play tonight, but certainly play later this week against Cleveland and maybe not take too much off the table in net with OG going out? Yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, the, the, the number one thing there is it's an acknowledgement that they didn't think they were going to be able to sign Ananobi. Um, so, you know, I think it, it, from that point of view, you have um, you, know, you have to optimize what you're, you know, how, how can you best benefit from having him under contract for now 
And, you know, I think if you think back to a year ago, based on the returns, we've sort of been led to expect that we're out there, Fananobi. I mean, I, I don't know if this is completely overwhelming, right? Like, it's, I think, um, you know, Barrett's a really interesting player. I think quickly, to your point, is sort of the key here. Is he a guy, as you've identified, and, you know, I think even in, in the New York market has been tagged as a guy who's got a lot more potential or the opportunity to kind of really blow up if he would, you know, be able to get the minutes. And ironically, you know, in, in New York, I think a lot of the story was that it was R.J. Barrett blocking him in terms of minutes, that they should play more lineups with quickly and Brunson together. Um, so, you know, I think I think losing OG is is there. That's a that's a definite cost, right? Like, I mean, uh, he is, as you point out, at his job as good as there is in the league, and it's very hard to find guys who are as good as he is in the league doing that job. So, um, you know, but but if you're not convinced you can keep him, or if you believe that you have to keep him at you know a, a contract that's in excess of what you're comfortable doing, then you know I think this is a pretty good return. And um, you know the key is going to be can quickly you know as they properly identify quickly as a guy who has a lot more to give. And and I think secondarily you know you have RJ who's you know like I, I kind of joke about RJ like every other month he's awesome. You know what I mean? Like he's, he has, if you look at his, uh, his splits over his career, almost, it feels like there's months, um, you know, certainly weeks and sometimes months where he is profiles as a really, really good NBA player and the efficiencies are there. I think that, you know, I think defensively he's, he's good. He's not great. Um, and then, you know, the problem he runs into is, you know, there's months at a time, certainly weeks, where, and he's in one of these little funks now where, you know, he just cannot get the ball in the basket. So if you can kind of tap into uh, him, you know, being a little more consistent, then you've turned OG Ananobi, a starter, into two guys who should be, he should be able to sign, or RJ's under a pretty reasonable contract at, you know, that can kind of, you can extend into the future and be part of your core for a long time to come. Yeah, RJ's got three more years before unrestricted free agency in 2027. And, you know, th- those salary numbers are between 25 and $30 million each year. But with a rising salary cap, you know, that's, say, for example, significantly less or, or notably less, at least, uh, than OG Ananobi figures to get this offseason, for example. Um, Emmanuel quickly, as an RFA, we'll see what that number comes in like. Uh, the fact that he and the Knicks couldn't work out an extension uh, before that extension deadline um, maybe tells you they were apart on on value or the Knicks didn't want to hamper their trade flexibility because uh, quickly would have been subject to what's called the poison pill provision here uh, had he signed that extension but yeah that's that's going to be a big question mark is what the Raptors do with quickly how well he fits um, and, and what that looks like long term Grange I know that RJ is someone that I mean we all know him a little bit as a basketball player certainly um, you know the, the Barrett family pretty well from over the years 
do you see this being, you know, I, there's a bit of a buy low here if you believe that R.J. Barrett is the guy he was in 2021, 2022, when he averaged, you know, 26 and three as a 21 year old uh, still on his rookie deal. He's kind of plateaued or even taken a small step back since then. Um, but knowing him a little bit, seeing that he's just 23 um, and, and kind of trying to project what him playing in the Toronto market might do for him. Do you see some some upside here that he can get back into beyond just, you know, being a little bit more consistent in the role he plays right now? I do. Um, you know, I think, you know, just knowing a little bit of the situation there, I, I think playing alongside um, Julius Randle, it's not easy. <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, Julius Randle's a super talented guy, but, you know, if you're looking to – be a guy who, who it, it, I just think it's a, it's it's the situation he was in was a, was a tough one uh, to really kind of expand and grow your game. I think um, that doesn't absolve him of of you know his own shortcomings, but you know I think we always kind of forget with RJ he is young, <laughs> like he feels like he's been around forever, but he's still a young player. Um, he works with Drew Hanlon, who's had such a great track record with so many players. And, you know, when I say works, he really works. And it's a very um, – I did a story on this a little while ago when he had a really good run shooting three ball, I guess, at the end of his second or third year. Um, you know, just how systematic they've been in terms of adding stuff to his game. And I think, you know, presuming he's in Toronto, presuming he's starting, and um, – you know, he's kind of in an environment where the ball is moving by design. And, you know, he's, I think by nature, you know, he's he's a willing team player. He's uh, a guy who's going to fit in. He's not here to kind of create a scene around himself. And I think when you're talking, you know, one thing I think the Raptors are sensitive to is they do want guys who want to be in Toronto. Um, being, playing in your hometown is, comes with certain complications, but I think, you know, RJ for sure is well-equipped to handle that. And I think it can be a really good story. Like, I, like you know, I, I think the idea of him becoming a number one option and a, you know, a Supermax player, and I'm sure he still has ambitions and that he should, but I, I think getting him at this stage rather than, say, drafting him number three, the expectations are a little bit different. It's, you know, come here, you know, be a good player, uh, be part of something, and be a great pro. And I think, you know, if he's demonstrated anything so far in spirit, he checks all those boxes. And, yeah, I do think there is some upside. Uh, okay, Grange, I know you're uh, you're on your way to Detroit. So uh, one last one for you here. Um, when you look at the fact that the, the Raptors have moved now, they've traded OGN and OB away. It's something we've been waiting on, you know, kind of pick a direction with some of these pending free agents or possible free agents for a while now. Um, this is a move that if they didn't do anything else, the roster is balanced a little bit better. It makes a little bit more sense. However, it could also make a lot of sense as step one in a multi-step reorienting of the roster and adjusting of the timeline. Do you read anything into OG being dealt right now as it pertains to the potential future of Pascal Siakam? Yeah, it's a great question. And just to start making some calls on that, but, <laughs> um, 
you know, it could go either way. I mean, it, it, it could just signal that they're, you know, they're ready to, to really be aggressive in turning this roster over. Um, or, you know, the fact that you're not having to choose now between signing Ananobi and signing uh, Siakam means, well, okay, you can sign Siakam. And I, and I think it's interesting to note, like, the, the, the way Darko's spoken about Siakam lately, like, he couldn't be more complimentary. Um, this notion that Siakam and Barnes can or can't play well together, I mean, it's pretty clear they can. Like, it's not a perfect fit, but, like, what happens if, you know, if you have pieces around them that will give them more room to operate because they're both really effective. Um, you know, I think that's probably – and maybe the timing of this deal, too, is, is, you know, you still have six weeks to the trade deadline. You are changing your roster around them a little bit. So maybe you do see what it looks like. And, you know, I, I think you don't want to sign Siakam unless you know the fit is right. And I don't think you want to trade him so you know it's unless you know it's not right. And, um, you know, so I think this is maybe a step towards that. But does it tip their hand one way or the other? I, you know, I, I'm always giving up predicting that because, um, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, it's unlikely you're going to nail it. But, um, but I mean, I, I, mean, I, I think – you know, the indications I've got from sort of inside the scenario are that um, every move that they want to make is is going to be judged on how it affects Scotty Barnes the best. Um, they, and part of that is they don't want to be taking steps back. They don't want to be, you know, getting into Cooper Flag's sweet stakes next year. And so, you know, it's like you would, whatever decision you make on Pascal Siakam, it has to be, I would assume, so that your team is getting better. And, you know, if you're trading all NBA players, it's, it's kind of hard to get better. So, um, you know, that's something to keep in the back of your mind. Uh, definitely. It's it's hard to trade those guys and get better. Maybe the Raptors threaded the needle here with the OG for Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett deal. Uh, we'll have to see how R.J. bounces back and what Quickly's next contract looks like. Michael Grange, uh, thanks so much for taking the time out. Drive safe and enjoy what is an even more fascinating game tonight at 6 o'clock now between the Raptors and Pistons. Absolutely. Thanks, Blake. Appreciate it. Michael Grange of Sportsnet, of Sportsnet.ca. Again, he'll be in Detroit tonight. So if you're looking for coverage of uh, that game, be sure to follow Grange and check out whatever he writes off of that game at Sportsnet.ca. I'm sure he'll also be having lots of conversations around this OG Ananobi trade. Uh, if you had checked out or you don't remember, by the way, that Raptors game tonight between the Raptors and the Pistons, the Pistons could set the all-time North American team sports record for longest losing streak would be longer than anything in the NBA, NHL, MLB, or NFL, even losing streaks spanning multiple seasons. The Raptors are the one team left standing in their way. We have that one for you on Sportsnet 590, the fan, at 6 p.m. Eastern uh, tonight. All right, this is an emergency edition of the Raptor Show, so let's talk to Will Lou of the Raptor Show with Will Lou. He's making time out on uh, what was not supposed to be a working Saturday for him. Will, how's it going, buddy? What's going on, Blake? Uh, you know, I was just on my way downtown here in Montreal to get a massage. Uh, and wow. lo and behold, I got a call from Blake Murphy. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to ignore this call. I don't know what Blake's <laughs> going to call me about, but I'm on vacation, at least until 6 p.m. when the Raptors hopefully beat the Pistons. 
And then, uh, you know what? I'm like, you know what? Let me actually call him back. And then, yeah, I find out that OG's been traded to the Knicks. So, no massage. Uh, it's okay. Uh, hopefully, the benefits extend to next year. But uh, this is obviously way more important. So, appreciate you for for informing me, holding it down. And, uh, yeah, I'll be here to join you for the next at least, you know, half an hour or so. So. Yeah, yeah, well, I pre- I appreciate you taking the time out from the massage and actually calling me back. I for anyone who doesn't know, Will is not like a, a immediate text back guy or pick up the no, phone man. guy. So um, when I'm you called me you back, called I just assumed you had heard uh, the news. By the way, so obviously you're uh, you're not getting massage. Your voice would be all weird, and you're you know you wouldn't be able to project and things like that. But be honest, did you just switch over to like a pedicure right now, and your feet are in the little bath as you talk to me? No, I wish. I wish that would be the ideal scenario. Because, you know, you got to relax after, um, you know, <laughs> a stressful night ahead of playing the Pistons where it's like it's do or die, basically, uh, against them. And now you don't have OG for that matchup. But, I mean, I'll look, listen, like, this is this is the kind of move that, like, the Raptors, they needed to try something else. You know, I think that that's, to me, the my initial reaction to this is just this current group just is not getting it done. Um, it's a little unfortunate that OG's last play as a Raptor was him gambling on a steal trying to uh, against Jalen Brown, which <laughs> got Jalen Brown getting downhill to throw a lob to Luke Cornett to essentially win the game for the Celtics last night. Because OG has had such a you know really nice career here, obviously a fan favorite, um, you know been really nice to the media as well, me and you included. But the, this group just wasn't working. They needed to shuffle it. And you know I was listening obviously to your conversation with Grange. Who knows what the next move is? Does that mean that? They have chosen to go forward with Pascal, who obviously is an defending free agent. Uh, or are they going to move him as well and just realign everybody on Scotty's timeline? Um, but it, it just never felt like a good feeling to go into the offseason or even going into this season with like the team underperforming to this degree. And you have to then pay pretty much the max to both OG and Pascal if you're going to keep them both. And I just never really felt comfortable with the Raptors giving a max to a player like OG who should be a luxury should be on a team like the Knicks who have other primary scores. He can be in three and D, you know, really contribute and, and play heavy minutes and be a really good piece. I think he's a good fit with the Knicks surprise that the Knicks even traded for him, especially because the two teams are suing each other almost right now, but like <laughs> still um, Raptors need to try something different. And, and now you have a, a potential lead guard who can, you can resign and keep long-term and quickly. And then RJ, which is like kind of a flyer. Maybe there's a little more upside there. Obviously he's been a little underwhelming. Um, but I don't know. I mean, at least you have somebody to fill in that rotation spot in addition to the fact that you now have a point guard uh, that you can hopefully move forward with. Um, plus, you have like five months, to, I guess, to evaluate how he fits. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, this is uh, this is better than a massage, I suppose. Well, it's uh, it's something to talk about, certainly. Um, yep. I guess the, the big loser here, I, I look, OG Ananobi has uh, a lot of uh-huh. fans in this city, as he should for the years he's put in here. Um, he's the guy they chose to put in our commercial, though. So now we've got the an outdated oh, yeah. commercial. They should play my trade analysis of this uh, <laughs> as part <laughs> of that commercial. Yeah, OG needs yeah. to get moved. And OG takes his headphone off, and he's like, these guys know what they're talking about. Yeah, these guys sent me to New York. Um, All right, man. So, by the way, uh, for anyone looking for confirmation from the team, there is nothing yet. However, the Raptors did just put an update out that OG Ananobi, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn are listed as out for tonight with no Mm. specific reason. Uh, I think we can read into that that, yes, this trade is uh, legitimate. So, for anyone who missed the details, it is expected to be Ananobi, Achua, and Flynn to the Knicks for R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, 
and a second round pick that figures to be high hmm. in the second round this year because it's from Detroit. Um, Will, look, there's RJ Barrett is a guy who has deep connections to the city of Toronto, to the country of Canada. Yeah. He's still just 23. We've seen him with the national team a lot. Um, I, I want to talk to you about quickly too, because I think quickly is the, the headline item in this trade, but RJ Barrett's a guy who, Raptors fans have kicked around as a potential target for years now. Two years ago, he was a 21-year-old who averaged 20 points a game, six rebounds, three assists. You know, he had established himself as an okay three-point shooter. He's trailed off a little bit since then. The the defense has kind of settled in as solid to good, but not great. Um, the, you know, offensive efficiency has been pretty up and down. When you look at RJ and his potential fit in Toronto and the fact that he has three more years left on his deal, uh, and again, it's still only 23. What do you think about Barrett's fit and the, I don't want to say buy low because RJ's got three more years at between 25 and 30 million a season. Like that's, that's not a discount contract, but the opportunity mm -hmm. cost is not like too, too high given you don't project as a cap team. Uh, so just on the basketball side, what do you think of RJ's fit? And, and in watching him over the years, do you think there's a little bit more to tap back into for the Raptors with RJ Barrett. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I think there's definitely talent there. Um, you know, I think he has the skill set to score. Um, he's just not particularly efficient with it. Um, you can make the argument that his fit with the Knicks, he was never, let's say, prioritized in, in, in the way that maybe he could be here, although I kind of doubt that in Toronto as well. Um, just the initial reaction to that, because you know, I I think there's the idea that you can recontextualize, um, you know, RJ's role and, and put him in a different scenario. But we kind of saw that at the World Cup. Um, I thought RJ had some really up and down performances at the World Cup. When he was good, he was really good. Like in, in the game against uh, USA for for bronze at the end there, uh, RJ had a really nice performance and, and really helped contribute to uh, the scoring that the that the Canada was able to do to ultimately, um, you know, win bronze over the States. But I thought over the course of the tournament, you really needed him to rebound. You really needed him to defend and then, you know, play off the catch, whether that was catch and shoots for three or take it downhill. I think, you know, the difference between an RJ and, and an OG offensively is really just how efficient both guys are at catching and shooting for three. It's something that RJ can do, but just has not done nearly as well as OG has. Um, and those, like, I don't know, five, six marginal three-point percentage points really do matter when it comes to a guy who ideally will be, you know, even in Toronto now playing off the catch, whether that's with Pascal Siakam, with Scotty Barnes, those guys are clearly ahead of him in the, in the rotation or in the pecking order. Uh, and then even a guy like quickly, I think could really set up a lot of offense. So RJ's got to be able to, you know, catch and shoot and stuff like that. But there is that ability to put it on the floor. I wish he was just a little bit more athletic because he, I feel like he tries to play almost like a powerful guard rather than sort of, um, you know, I suppose like a three, four type, which is generally how he's been played positionally, but, um, it, it's worth taking a look. Um, uh, he's not particularly efficient with the offense right now, but I think that he's young enough and he clearly has a really strong work ethic. I think him being in Toronto, you know, hopefully that, that, um, you know, benefits him. Obviously he's, he's, he's from Mississauga. He grew up here. He knows sort of what the, the vibe is. Um, and like, you know, he obviously was a super highly touted player coming into the league. That's why he got drafted so high. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, know, he, man, hasn't, he, like, he was, st he was starting to play anything, 30 but... minutes a game on a really good team. It's not like he's a yeah, bad player. Exactly. It's just, you know, does he does he deliver on the contract is is kind of the question in terms of no, what you just sure, said but... there, where 
he yeah. plays a bit more of like a three, four style game, but is deployed as a two. Do you think there's room for that to be different in Toronto where like Scotty Barnes is a, a four by body, but a one slash two by role? Like I, I obviously spacing is still a concern, but are there more creative ways to use RJ where he's not just like an above the break three point spacer like he is a lot of the time for the Knicks? I think so. Um, I, I think, I mean, look, similar to most players, like if you give them the ability to attack a closeout or to, to catch and shoot, like it'll make them more efficient. And that's something that the Toronto Raptors do do well. It's just that the guys that, you know, Pascal and, and Scotty have been driving kicking to haven't really been doing much. Like you look at last night's game against the Celtics, for example. Um, and so I think there are different ways to sort of set up RJ to score. I mean, RJ has a more diverse offensive skill set as compared to OG. I just don't think that he's as efficient overall when he tries to do it. So, you know, whatever, that's not going to sound great to a, a Raptors offense that hasn't been particularly efficient. Um, but, like, you know, there are games where he looks good. Like, I, I think that for RJ, he's a little bit too up and down, which I think is a little bit of a struggle. But he's a guy who gets the foul line. He can get his own shot in ways, too. But I, I don't think that ultimately that's the best way to use him. But, yeah, I mean, I could see him fitting beside Pascal. I could see him fitting beside uh, Scotty. I mean, ultimately, you know, he is, like, a – already a fairly established player um and so we will need to see something completely new i don't think this is just a case where you put him in a different team and he's all of a sudden like an all-star level player um hopefully that's the case but I, I think we have enough track record to see him i do think that the passing in toronto may be just a little bit better than the passing that he got maybe with the knicks the knicks played a lot of isolation um mm -hmm. through you know brunson and randall and so I don't know, maybe, you know, Darko obviously is running the system right now with the Raptors, which has them like second in the league in assists. You see the improved ball movement. Maybe that helps to benefit his game. But to me, like the biggest thing is I think the Raptors still have a starting level player. And I think at the minimum, RJ is a starting level player. Um, but then you also have finally a dynamic scoring guard in quickly, which this team has just been begging for. Like, I, I you know, they tried it with Malachi, which, by the way, Malachi is in this trade now, I guess it's been confirmed. Um, yeah. So he's had the funniest journey all season, which is like he was given a chance. He was given a guy to put his arm around the shoulder. Darko's talking about it every single day. They picked Malachi over at top of like the other three, four, you know, backup point guards like Jeff Downton or I don't know, uh, Delano Banton, for example. You know, let let those guys go. We're going to ride with Malachi. Darko gives this infamous quote about, you know, I told him first thing I saw him was like, you know, you're ugly when you don't smile, but you got to you, hmm. you're, you're handsome when you do smile uh it, you know he got the chain already for the raptors like it's it's you know it was such a rehabilitation process and an effort to try to get malachi something out of him and like yeah basically 20 some odd games in they pulled the plug essentially last week when they put scotty in as a starting point guard uh with dennis going to the bench that ate all of malachi's minutes um for the most part and yeah now we have quickly who look i think he should be given a great chance to start see how he fits with the group but very, very dy dynamic player, can get downhill, can create a shot, his own shot, which I feel like for the Raptors just has not been happening as a guard um, for a while, just to be able to have a guy who can, you know, have the quickness, but also hit the three consistently, create his own offense, but also set other guys up. Um, yeah, it's just, it, this, this team has been begging out for a player of that type. And of course, we got to see how he fits, but, I, you know, I am fairly excited about that aspect. Um, also, Precious is in this deal too. Why, yeah. why do trades break like this? <laughs> It's just yeah, one guy I, at I a don't, time. I don't know. What do you think about Precious getting this deal? 
Yeah, I, it's like it's one of those things where like uh, it's obviously from the agent side where it's like, yo, OG's gotten traded, and then uh-huh, uh-huh. you know that tweet goes out, and then you send the follow up tweet to like the team or the other agent or whatever, and then the last thing to come down is always what what is the actual pick? Um, and in this case, for anyone who didn't hear, uh, it's a twenty twenty four pick that belonged to the Pistons, so that's probably going to be like thirty first or thirty second. Uh, overall Mm -hmm. Uh, so let's stay on quickly here because like you said someone who can create his own shot is something that this team has needed for a long time quickly is not elite at getting to the rim but he's very very good at getting a foot or two in the paint he's a good pick and roll orchestrator certainly an upgrade on anything the Raptors had on the roster in terms of um, just the ability to both score and pass through the pick and roll assist rates not quite the level of a lead guard he profiles more as a combo guard offensively and maybe that's a good thing alongside scotty barnes because you know he's not going to take the ball out of, out of scotty barnes's hands for extended stretches and then the the probably the most important thing in terms of the scotty barnes fit um you know if we're talking about hey barnes is going to run more point or pseudo point but they want someone to help them bring the ball up the floor and then if he's going to be in these actions with this other guard, Manuel quickly said 37% of his threes in the NBA. He said 39.5% this year on over five attempts a game. And a lot of those are self-created. So when we look mm-hmm. at, you know, the skill set to shoot shoot a three when someone goes under the screen or late clock one versus one, get your three-point shot off. Or if we're looking at, hey, if he's catch and shooting more, what might that look like? Well, those are easier shots. So maybe if he's getting more catch and shoot, that percentage edges even a little higher. Um, Look, the quickly question is going to come down at least some to what does that next contract look like? But at first Mm -hmm. blush, what do you think of his fit alongside Scotty Barnes? Because I think that's how we have to kind of evaluate everything the Raptors are doing these days. Yeah, I mean, I think the nice thing with Scotty is that you know, he can play so many different positions. So um, you can fit a lot of different types of pieces around him. You know, like you, you look at yesterday's game, for example, he starts off the game. He's the point guard. He sets up Jakob for two layups that somehow both get, you know, blocked, uh, unfortunately, but great passes. He sets up OG for a lob. Um, you know, he gets his own mid-range shot. Like he's able to start the game at point guard. Then as the game goes on, he's got to be the off-ball threat because nobody else on the Raptors can really shoot efficiently. So he takes 15 threes. He's the shooting guard in a lot of those matchups. He's then, at the end of the game, the Raptors are playing a lot of small ball, and now he's playing a lot of small ball five um, where he's posting up, drawing a double team, and then making the next pass or scoring jump hooks and stuff like that. Like, he can play pretty much all the positions. So I think for quickly to come in as a combo guard, it doesn't matter as much to me that he can't, or he doesn't have this like proven track record of being like a high assist guy. Like for example, you you, you look at it for his career. His career high right now is uh, three and a half assists per game. Now, of course, that's mostly as a reserve, and so you know maybe that that number ticks up. But you know, primarily he's a guy who comes in and looks to score. But I think that scoring gravity is pretty important. I mean, you can recontextualize a player's role to get their assists up. I I think that you know, you know, as we watch him grow and develop here, can he run a two man game with Scotty Barnes? It's gonna be pretty important to see. Can he run a better pick and roll with Jakob Proto? I think Jakob, you know, has some good qualities. I thought he he started his, uh, I guess, re-entry into the team last year well when he was pairing with Fred. Part of the reason for that is Fred can really, you know, pull a, a, an opposing big out of the paint with his uh, scoring gravity to shoot from three, and that opens up the space in behind for Jakob to roll. And I just don't think that that was the case when teams were going under, for example, and on Dennis Schroeder. And so all of a sudden, those pick and rolls to Yak were a lot less effective. Yak ends up looking 
you know, less and less involved, gets benched a lot, whatever. Some of that's on him as well. He's got to play a lot better. I mean, losing to Luke Cornett on, on, on uh, putback layups yeah. is, is pretty sad to see. But, like, quickly does have that shooting gravity to at least replicate what Fred did. Now, of course, quickly's got to develop that score, uh, passing skill set to sort of set everyone else up. But I don't envision this as, like, you know, quickly is going to come here and be like a traditional point guard. He's going to be more of the combo guard where Scotty's going to have the ball, Pascal's going to have the ball. They're going to kick out to him. He's going to be a great shooter off of that, or he's going to attack, get downhill, make the next pass. That's what the Raptors have really, really needed. Um, you know, and I see quickly almost as like if you took Gary shooting but put it into Dennis's body in that way. And <laughs> ideally, you would have both those skill sets in one player. So now you do have it with quickly. Again, we'll have to see how he fits. Um, and that's going to probably determine what he's going to get paid as well in the market. But uh, I don't know. I'm excited to see because the Raptors have not had a dynamic scoring guard in, in a long time, I feel like. No, they really haven't. And, and you know, I, I know that there are conversations about when to use the mid-range and how much to use the mid-range and things like that. But I think that two things that we know about the mid-range are, one, it's really, really pretty when it works, which is part of why Emmanuel Quickly is like a really fun guy to watch. Now, we'll see if the efficiency stays at a high enough level where it's still fun, but he's got that kind of like tough shot maker bag, which is always a lot mm-hmm. of fun. But the other thing is when you're a team that really lacks spacing and opposing defenses go under against a lot of your you know high post actions, your dribble handoffs and things like that. Being able to hit that 16 to 19 footer has become really important. Gary Trent's got a ton of those looks this year. OG Ananobi got a ton of those looks this year. Dennis certainly has got a lot of those. So the fact that he can, you know, step into a mid range as well as a three uh, is important there. So let's look ahead a, a little bit here. So part this deal is going to be evaluated on a number of things: how RJ fits and whether he can be worth the last three years at you know close to 90 million on his contract. Um, what that early second turns into, what the market ends up being for OG. If OG signs for $25 million a year this summer, it looks different than if he signs for $38 million a year this summer. Um, And then the other big swing piece is is Emmanuel Quickly, a long-term piece with the Raptors. Now, the Raptors and Knicks, or sorry, the Knicks and Quickly did not come to terms on a rookie scale extension before this season. So the Raptors can't sign him to an extension yet. He's going to hit restricted free agency uh, regardless. When you look at that reality, when you look at, you know, what other guys from that draft class who are maybe as good or a little worse than quickly got, um, do you have a, a first thought on, hey, this would be a reasonable number to sign quickly at where, yeah, you'd be really comfortable about getting four and a half years of quickly and three and a half years of Barrett at X price? Or is it too too early still for, for us to kind of think about what that next quickly deal looks like? I think it's a little bit too early. I, I don't think this is like similar to when the Raptors traded for Jakob last uh, trade deadline, which is like we kind of knew in the ballpark of what he was going to get paid. And of course, in, in this instance, you got to see first off what does quickly look like in an extended uh, role as a starter. And I do think that he's going to come in and start. Um, you know, then you're going to have to see how he fits and where the team ends up. And I think that will, in large part, dictate the market. And I think he already showcased a lot of his skill set already in his four years with New York. And so I think there is a baseline. Like, I don't think it'll be cheaper than like 20 under like 20 million a year. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there is like an opportunity here for him to sort of um, show how he fits and then the Raptors sort of pay him af- accordingly. I mean, if, if he, I think the number will be like less than 30. If this is just off the top of my head, um, like I don't think this is a player that you're going to pay the max to or anything like that. It's kind of the the exact type of player where you sign him to 
you know, a, a three-year, four-year deal, ideally, um, we'll give him the first chances to start and, and really um, see how he can grow into that. And I think that kind of deal structure will then create some good value for Toronto, uh, you know, uh, you know, assuming that he kind of blossoms. Like, I, I guess Jalen Brunson, this is a totally different thing, but, like, Brunson was obviously Luka's, uh, you know, backup or even, I suppose, sidekick, but he played a lot off the bench in Dallas. Uh, and then New York signed him in free agency. And, yeah, I mean, obviously he comes to New York and he just completely flourishes. And that's the dream scenario if he obviously or essentially quickly can do that in Toronto. It's kind of what we talked um, about on the show the other week, right? Like, how do you find that guy before he becomes Yeah. Yeah. I mean, didn't you have quickly in your yep. in your piece? Yeah. There I did. you go. Blake Murphy for GM, everybody. If it doesn't work out, blame Blake. Well, but, yeah, uh... if it works out, if it works out, we could say that. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, you're, you're getting a track record for this because, uh, you know, you had Jonte Porter as one of your top, uh, you know, free agency signings uh, yeah. that year after the draft. Jonte Porter, also... who, by the way, this is a uh-huh. thing we can talk about, too. And maybe this is more for our shows on January 2nd when the Raptors show is back 2 to 4 p.m. every day. But there's yeah. an open roster spot right now uh, on this mm-hmm. roster because it's a three for two trade. In addition... Yeah. You know, we can we can figure what the rotation looks like for the most part. Like if we assume quickly and Barrett are gonna start, and then you got Barnes, Siakam, Pirtle in there, then your bench is kind of Dennis, Gary, maybe Jalen McDaniels is in there now after last night's game, Chris Boucher in there somewhere. But there are potentially minutes for another bench big, whether that's Jonte mm-hmm. Porter or someone else. Um, were you surprised to see I mean, Malachi is kind of just like, yeah, make the salaries work and the Knicks need an extra guard for depth. But Precious' inclusion, did that catch you off guard at all? It did catch me off guard. I'm not going to lie to you. I I didn't think the Raptors would pull the plug on both uh, OG and Precious. I mean, like, you know, maybe it's just I I got too, you know, um, actually, I don't even know. I I think Masai definitely has great fondness for both of these players. I think that's completely genuine. So for him to move both of those guys in one deal, I, I think it's, something that really would catch a lot of people by surprise. I mean, I thought OG wouldn't be moved just based on the fact that, like, you even think back to two, three months ago when the Raptors were potentially going to trade for Damian Lillard, for example, and the Raptors kind of hopped into that, those trade discussions. You remember that Chris Haynes report where he was talking about how he was hanging out with Dame, and then Dame got a call from OG who was like, yo, <laughs> you know, welcome to Toronto, buddy. And Dame was, like, all panicked. It was obviously a prank call from OG, um, so it's a very funny detail to, to put into that story, but like also at the same time, what that shows me is OG was so comfortable knowing that he wasn't actually going to be in a potential deal with Damian Lillard. So why would then Masai move him a couple months later? I, I do wonder what changed, you know, did they have some discussions potentially on what the long-term future for his contract will look like? Maybe he wasn't satisfied once again with a new coach in Darko, you know, uh, with a new system and his role is still exactly the same. Um, you know, potentially he just didn't see himself as a future here. You never know. I would love to, you know, get some thoughts from OG on this uh, moving forward to get some clarity on his exit. But yeah, ultimately, I wasn't I wasn't expecting him to be get moved, even though I thought it was a logical uh, idea concerning the fact that, you know, paying him 40 million and, you know, going forward just didn't really make sense in Toronto. Precious, I think like Precious is like there is talent there, but I mean, I, I certainly you can definitely see the frustration in his game. For him, you know, this was obviously a big year coming into it. They couldn't hammer out the extension, right? Um, there was a window for him to to work out that extension. That didn't happen. Uh, he missed a lot of training camp, which I, which always sets players back, especially under a new coach. Uh, and then when he did come into the game, you know, there were moments where he looked, you know, pretty good. There were moments where he looked serviceable, but like. I think the lasting memory for Precious, unfortunately, is going to be all those gaffes, all those minutes where it's like, you know, the last game against Philadelphia, for example, right, where, 
he comes in for 45 seconds and misses two driving layups and a wide open three. It's like it's it's those kind of things. Or even yesterday, we only played two minutes, which partially could have just been because he was in trade talks. But like he comes in for two minutes in the second quarter when the Raptors desperately needed something. And he comes in against the Celtics third unit, really, because it was like Svi Mihailik was out there guarding him. <laughs> and Precious is immediately like, oh, I'm going to now call my own number. I'm going to try to ISO against Svi Mihailik in the post for a jump hook, misses it. I mean, like, let's put aside the fact that whatever, he missed a jump hook. But, like, you in for two minutes and you call for your, your own ISO. Like, you know, those are the kind of things that ultimately kind of stick with you. And I think there's great heights to what Precious can do. And I still believe in him as a prospect. And, and I honestly, I, I don't consider him a throw into this kind of deal. But I can also see why people would be frustrated and be like, all right, this isn't working out. Ultimately, though, Masai did say a couple years ago at the press conference, you know, finally, you are mine after you know, <laughs> securing Precious in that sign and trade for Kyle Lowry to go to Miami. Precious was the big, you know, piece that came back from that. And, you know, yeah, I, I just thought that there might have been more untapped potential with Precious. But moving on from him, I suppose, is is a sharp departure from that. Uh, having said that, though, as, as Raptor fans, like you can give a guy patience, but he, Precious is also like an all time test your patience kind of guy, too. So this is not me trying to shovel dirt on him, off, uh, you know, leaving the door. I just think that that's realistic in terms of what the experience has been like watching him. He's got high highs, but he's also got really low lows as well. I still and think I, he can I, figure it out in in the league. But yeah, I don't know. He's going kind of buried in New York, though. Yeah, although he'll be buried in New York eventually. But this is a team right now that is, you know, down Mitchell Robinson and Jericho Sims. So I wonder if this is a case where, like, because asset-wise, you know, OG and Malachi for quickly Barrett in a second should have been enough, right? Like, you're taking on Mm -hmm. Barrett's contract, which who knows how it turns out, but right now it looks like maybe a slightly negative asset. Um, Just pure asset-wise, you probably didn't need to include Precious. And then I wonder if the Knicks were like, look, we just, we need a center Right now, we're certainly not taking Jakob Pertle from you, but some something has to hold us over uh, because Mitchell Robinson is done for the season and, you know, Jericho Sims isn't ready yet. And Isaiah Hartenstein is, is really good, but, you know, has only started five games. So so they need some like they're playing Taj Gibson every game right now. Uh, so yeah. may, maybe that was a, I mean, it's a Tibbs, sticky... man. I think he might I think he might play Taj over Precious. I'm just saying. Yeah, I guess yeah. this is uh, I, I know I, I want to let you get on with your with your uh, Saturday in Montreal here. here no, Will. Good, um, so last thought, OG Ananobi knocks down a lot of threes. One of the highest volume mm-hmm. corner three point shooters in the league the last couple of years. Very good catch and shoot numbers. Not so much off the pull up. Um, obviously, a very good and very versatile defender. Now, the defense had slid the last, I don't know, six weeks or so. But who knows how yeah. much of that is waiting for a move like this to happen. When you look at his fit with the Knicks, especially his fit in a Tom Thibodeau team. Like, like I saw someone joke on Twitter that like Thibodeau got his new Luol Deng, um, which is a a pretty good comparison to how those Bulls teams operated. How much do you like this for the Knicks side? Um, Yeah, no, I think he makes a lot of sense. I I always thought that OG was going to go to a team that felt like they were ready to make the next step in their playoff aspirations. Um, I think that for the Knicks, what they really need, if they're going to have any chance of progressing more than one round, um, which is obviously last year they lost to the Heat after beating the Cavs, uh, they need a big wing stopper, man. Like this is like this is exactly what you need to do to win multiple rounds. Like the Raptors, you know, back in the Kyle and Demar days, hit the same ceiling, which was like, okay, you got two, you know, pretty much isolation or at least pick and roll heavy guards. In this case, they have. 
uh, Randall instead of uh, DeMar. But honestly, functionally, they, they kind of function in similar ways. Uh, operate a lot in the mid-range, use up fakes, draw fouls, you know, um, decent passers, pretty good passers. Um, but the Raptors couldn't get past that part where, okay, whatever, they lost to LeBron all the time. The, that was peak LeBron. I guess anyone would have lost. But even before that, they struggled against a Paul Pierce, right, like two years in a row. They need big wing stoppers. And like uh, that's what ideally they wanted RJ to be for them in this current setup. But I just don't think that RJ was that type of player. OG is exactly that type of player who you can play 40 minutes. You can rely on him to, to catch and shoot for threes. Um, you know, who can, you know, you can comfortably throw on the opposing top wings all the time. Um, now, it really depends on how much the Knicks can generate offense around him because, like, I don't think that OG is going to generate – well, we know OG is not going to generate offense on his own. Uh, that's never a, a, a winning formula, especially in a playoff setting. But that's where the hope is that the Knicks have the shot creation from Brunson, from Randall, from, you know, their second unit who can come in and fly around like Josh Hart, for example. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think the Knicks' hope is that they can go at least into Boston and have somebody to throw against Tatum have someone to throw against Jalen Brown. They can go into, you know, Milwaukee and have someone to throw against Giannis. Um, and I think a very best, like, locked-in, fully committed version of OG is, like, genuinely one of the best, like, on-ball defenders in the league, period. Um, and he's not bad off-ball either, based on the fact that he literally <laughs> led the league in steals last year, too. So we all know what OG's quality is as a defender. And I think it makes more sense for OG career-wise, too, right? Because... You know, first off, a team trading for him, they got to know what they, they're going to need to invest in him long term. So I think the Knicks are already comfortable doing that. But I also think for OG, it's just like, look, you get into a bigger market, you get more of that appreciation. And, you know, all these sort of aspirations that he has, I think are, they're easier to realize on a winning playoff team like the Knicks. So, you know, I, I, I understand the move for New York. Obviously, OG would have been a good fit on a lot of different places. Um, but he goes there. And I, I honestly, I think it's just kind of sad, really. Like, obviously, OG was a fan favorite in Toronto. He's always going to get his name cheered in Toronto. The 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 0.5 second shot that he made in <laughs> the bubble against Boston, that saved the Raptors. Honestly, the Raptors looked like they were going to get swept that year, man. It was so nasty watching uh, what the Raptors were doing against the Celtics to start that series. And OG's miracle shot in the corner with the Kyle Lowry pass over Taco Fall in the bubble. I guess nobody was there to experience it other than the players and the refs and the coaches because, you know, it was it was the bubble. But still, it was a memorable, memorable moment. And, you know, OG's had a lot of those type of plays. He's been a fan favorite. The little videos with Surge and stuff like that. Hmm. He's just a, he's a good guy. He really is a good guy. He played hard. He gave a lot to the team. And it just reached the point where I, I think management-wise, the Raptors needed to go in a different direction to balance out the roster. I don't think they had the budget to pay him and a Pascal. Maybe we'll even see if they pay Pascal. Hope you know. Hopefully they do. I mean, I think that um, quickly as the third piece would really not fit nicely between him and Scotty. But we'll see with the front office. You never know. We can be doing another React Pod later with with, with <laughs> Pascal getting moved. You never know. But OG's a fan favorite, and I do want people to remember that um, fondly because it's not like he did anything wrong. It's just that you know you end up going to a point where. You have to move on. You have to do something different, and you need to trade someone good to get someone good. And the Raptors did get someone good in quickly, and someone who could be good in RJ Barrett as well. So um, it's too bad, but I wish OG all the best. It's gonna suck to see him all the time, though, uh, <laughs> because yeah, I don't want to see OG lock up Scotty, for example, when the Raptors next time play the Knicks. 
but yeah, it, you know, I think OG happen. would probably get up more to lock up Pascal, just given how long sure. that uh, relationship's been going. By the way, January 20th, the Raptors next play the Knicks, so we'll get it in a couple weeks here. Oh, uh, Will, right. I want to let you get on with your uh, your vacation day in Montreal. Two small notes here before we take a break. Uh, is that per so. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, Toronto is expected to continue to explore trades involving Pascal Siakam, but there are no deals with traction for mm. him right now um he also noted that there is no change to the lawsuit status around this uh <laughs> this oh. trade uh, oh we couldn't uh, put Azul time in this deal and just and just say it was all good like come on guys yeah come uh on. will lou thanks so much for taking the time out man i appreciate it enjoy montreal all right appreciate you buddy i'll see you on the show next week i guess uh, William Liu of the Raptor Show with Will Liu. This is an emergency version of the Raptor Show hosted by me, Blake Murphy. We're going to take a break uh, for five minutes or so. When we come back, we'll continue talking about the Toronto Raptors trading OG Ananobi, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn to the New York Knicks for Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, and the Detroit Pistons 2024 second round pick. Lots of process, a lot to digest. And like Will said at the end there, uh, you wish you certainly wish all the best for OG Ananobi, who's had a really, really fun seven-year career as a Toronto Raptor. The Raptor Show Emergency Edition continues on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to an emergency edition of the Raptor Show. I'm Blake Murphy. We just spoke with Michael Grange and William Liu about a big trade. If you missed the details, the Toronto Raptors are trading OG Ananobi, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn to the New York Knicks for Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, and the Pistons' second-round pick in this upcoming draft. It leaves the Raptors a little short-handed tonight as the Pistons go for North American team sports history and the, the largest losing streak in any of the big four sports uh, in the United States or Canada of all time. Uh, that's a that's a big one there. A lot to digest with this one. A lot to pick through. Let's uh, let's talk to our pal Joel Wolfond of the score. What's going on, man? This is uh, quite a way to spend a Saturday afternoon. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just uh, thrilled to be talking about this uh, in the middle of uh, you know family holiday. But uh, I, I actually genuinely am. It's the funny thing. So <laughs> it's great to be here. Yeah, I mean, I remember talking to you the other day about like, yeah, I'm going to try not to do basketball during the holidays and stuff. I was supposed to be off next week, potentially, and I, I'd imagine that's out the window now. Um, but this is what we do it for, right? The transactions are the most fun part. Um, so what is your uh, what is your snap reaction to this one? Obviously, the, the core part here is OG for Barrett and Quickly. Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it's honestly like, I mean, not that RJ doesn't have to factor into how we think about it, mainly just because of his salary and the implications of that. But to me, I would even just boil it down to OG for quickly. Like that's the meat of it. And from that perspective, I honestly love it. Um, I am a big OG fan, have been for a while, really appreciate his time here, loved what he brought to the table. But with this iteration of the Raptors, I think, I mean, we've been talking about it, not just all this year, but like the last two years, right? Like it, it just the roster needed some balance and specifically they needed, I think to move out some of their forward depth in exchange for some guard depth. And this isn't just any guard, like in the lead up to this, when all of these rumblings about Pascal and OG potentially being on the table have been out there, you and others have been talking about like what the Raptors need to look for. And it was like, we, they need to find their Tyrese Halliburton deal. Right. And I'm not saying this is going to be that, but 
this to me, looking around the league at what might have been available, what they could have conceivably gotten for one of these two guys, is the best chance that they have at making that happen. A guy with a ton of skill in the ways that they need it most, with, in my mind, a lot of untapped upside. And a guy who could potentially make this roster start to make a whole lot more sense. Like, I, I mean, I just think about a guy like Jakob Pertl, who looked great last year after coming over when he had a pick-and-roll partner in Fred Van Vliet to work with and then has spent this entire season looking like a square peg in a round hole with this team. And I think quickly is a guy who can come in and instantly make him make a whole lot more sense. And that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. So um, I, I really like it from that perspective. And, like, there's a lot of other stuff on the margins that we can talk about. But if we're just looking at the meat of it, as much as it will hurt to lose OG and the multi-positional defense that he brought to the table, I think quickly is a really, really good fit. Yeah, it's it's a nice, uh, certainly a nice piece right now. And you can see the vision with him and Barnes where he's kind of a combo guard. He can slash a little bit, run some pick and roll. He's a pretty good shooter, which is always uh, going to be an important piece if Barnes is going to have the, the ball in his hands a lot. In terms of Quickly's upside, I know he's a guy you've been high on for a long time. How do you see, you know, he's been kind of stuck behind Jalen Brunson, which we understand Brunson's an all-star. You can't get too, too upset about that, even if Knicks fans did sometimes. Uh, you know, they're both a little undersized, so you can't play them together a ton. How do you see Quickly's skill set potentially scaling from, say, 20 minutes a game to, you know, playing a starter's loads of minutes? I mean, I think that I guess that's just something that we're going to have to wait and see but like from what I have seen like anytime that he has played when Brunson's been out he's had no issue scaling that up like he's had monster performances when he's been plugged into lead guard duty for the Knicks I think the shooting is real like this maybe the pull-up shooting the way that it's jumped this year I think he's up to like 41 percent on pull-up threes when the two years before this he's been at 35 percent so maybe that comes down a bit but he's always been like in the 40 percent or above range as a catch and shoot three-point shooter and he's a guy in terms of like the Raptors identity or the identity that you would think of the Raptors as trying to build right now like he plays with pace he's super dangerous and dynamic in the open floor and then in the half court if you want to just have a guy who is going to have like if you're talking about wanting to make Scotty more of a point forward like have the ball in his hands more often quickly as a guy who can play off of the ball and who's going to have gravity as a mover and a movement shooter uh, away from the ball, which is exactly what you need to be putting around Scotty right now. So I think if you, like, if you have on and off ball skill, and I think maybe it's like the playmaking is where you'd point to is like an area that he needs to grow, but having that pull up uh, three pointer in his bag will go a long way toward just making him a, a dynamic on ball player as it is. And then you add in his speed, his slashing ability, his uh, ability to play off the ball and shoot off a movement. Like, I don't really see a reason, especially if he's going to be more of, you know, even if you call him your lead guard, maybe he's more of like a secondary or a tertiary offensive option. I don't think he's going to have too much trouble scaling up the production and the efficiency. Yeah, that which is important, right? That's what we're going to have to see between now and you know, mid-April or, or however long this goes because they'll have a big decision to make on him in uh, in late June slash early July when he's a restricted yeah. free agent. And obviously, if he were to walk, uh, this trade would look a little differently. Um, Joe, yeah, that's uh, why I don't think you... it's much of a decision at all, right, Blake? Like it's... Yeah, 
no, it's not. It's just a matter of finding out the number. Like you're clearly yeah. going to re-sign him at this point. Um, Joe, before we let you get on with your uh, your family holiday time here, um, from the Knicks side, obviously the Knicks are kind of in that high middle of the Eastern Conference. This <laughs> is trading out a starter and a key bench piece for a guy who fits a little better role-wise and maybe upgrades that starting spot. And they were a very, very deep team. So consolidating like that, and, and hey, Precious is important with Mitchell Robinson out for the season too. Um, what do you make of this for the Knicks? Can, can they, you know, get back to, they're, they're seventh in the East right now in a play-in spot. Can they get back to being competitive for kind of one of those top four seeds in the East? Yeah, I do. I, I think it's a really great trade for both sides. Like I, I think RJ, um, sorry, OG is a huge upgrade on RJ for them because he's a better and more versatile defender. And he is a much better shooter. Who's going to command a lot more attention away from the ball. Um, and then, you know, you, you talked about Mitchell Robinson being out. Yes. I think precious helps with that. Also potentially OG helps with that, right? Like they can go smaller with maybe OG playing the five. We've seen him do that a bunch and, having a bruiser like Julius Randle playing the four makes that probably even more tenable. So um, I, I really like it for them as well. Like I think they, despite it not always looking particularly pretty, they have a style that is pretty effective and their identity is that of a team that plays extremely physical and kind of muddies the game up. And I think OG fits right into that while also providing them, I think a necessary dose of shooting. So yeah, maybe it, it's like a little bit of a hit to their depth, but I do think it raises their ceiling a little bit. Which is, uh, you know, what they're looking for here. And, and, you know, in not trading away any first in here, quickly is their biggest asset, but, you know, they keep at least some powder dry uh, for the future. Because we know the Knicks are always chasing stars. Uh, Joe Wolfond of The Score, thanks for taking uh, a few minutes out for us, man. Get back to your family time. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. Joe Wolfond of The Score. We're now going to uh, pivot to more of the mechanics of this, how it works, what it looks like for the long term. We're joined now by Bobby Marks, ESPN's front office insider, uh, the king of the cap, as it were. Bobby, uh, thanks for making time out on a Saturday afternoon. How are you feeling about this one? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a win-win for both teams, right? I think um, I think certainly from Toronto's perspective, um, you know, the threat of OG likely opting out of that contract and then the cost to retain him. Um, was going to be uh, expensive, certainly where, where this roster is right now at 12 and 12 and 19. Um, you know, I just I just mentioned that second that they're getting from Detroit is pretty. I think it's more valuable than some of the first that New York has. Um, you know, New York has a first from Washington and Detroit in future years, and I don't think those are going to be conveyed. So, I mean, you're looking at the 31st pick in the in the draft, which certainly has um, certainly has value. Um, you know, you get Barrett under contract for four years. Quickly is a restricted free agent, you know, six man of the year contract uh, player. Um, I, I, I like it from, from Toronto's perspective. I think, um, I think, you know, listen, um, you know, Precious, I thought it's played well this year. Um, but I think that's kind of the, the, you know, part of, you know, you know, how to get this deal done and New York needed a big, um, and as I said all along, like if you weren't comfortable paying OG, you know, North of $30 million, then you know you you kind of go out and get you know, Barrett who's who's got a controllable contract, and then you've got to figure out what the what the price tag for for quickly will be who's a who's a restricted free agent. 
So quickly is a restricted free agent. Obviously, he and the Knicks could not come to terms on an extension before that deadline at the start of the season. He's kind of turned in, you know, another Emmanuel quickly season. He's behind Jalen Brunson. So we haven't seen, you know, a spike in the numbers, but he remains very good in the role he's in. He's improved the three point shooting. And we're going to get a look at him now in more of a, a starters minutes load here in Toronto, I think. Um, it's maybe a little early to look ahead to this, but do you have a sense of of what that Emmanuel quickly market could be in restricted free agency and what, you know, the Raptors probably make this deal having a good level of comfort that they'll be the ones to, to give quickly his next deal? Yeah, I mean, listen, he's played, I think he started, started 27 career games um, in his career last year, 21 games, almost 23 points per game, played exceptionally well um and will probably like you know go as you said go in that starter role and going in that starter role probably the, the price tag gets a little bit more expensive here um you know i had him pegged as a kind of a 20 million dollar guy does that go up a little bit here um possibly um but i think when you when you look at it you're basically getting quickly and barrett their salary combined when you fact project his, his their salary kind of to where og might be you know, that's kind of the – and, you know, certainly where Precious would, would be too, who's a restricted free agent here. Um, so the, the, the quickly number, um, I, I do think will will probably be north of 20, I, I would think at least. Um, but as you guys know, restricted free agency gets tricky. Um, you would have to have a team come in with an offer sheet here. There's a third of the league that's projected to have room here. But I think, you know, Toronto doesn't do the deal knowing that they're comfortable, you know, paying him, uh, paying him long term. Yeah, that's that's the the tough part there. Um, and obviously, you know that the the trade is what it is, but it'll be evaluated at least a little bit in terms of what does the next quickly deal look like, what does the next Ananobi deal look like, because both of these teams uh, probably making this trade with the idea of of keeping those pieces around on the RJ Barrett side of this, Bobby, he has beyond this year, three years left on his deal, 26 million, 27 and a half million, 29 and a half million. Um, he has obviously, you know, plateaued a little bit, maybe even taken a step back from that big, big year he had two seasons ago. Um, how do you feel about that contract value? Because I've seen some people kind of kicking around, you know, is that a, from anywhere from that's a buy low because RJ's still young and he's shown he can be better than this to, well, you're taking on kind of a negative asset, at least a slight negative asset because of all the money owed. I kind of land somewhere in the middle where, where I think with the yeah. rising cap, that's maybe a neutral contract at this point. How do you feel about the, the three plus years left on RJ's deal? Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel how you do. I mean, it's, you know, right now I think it's 18% of the cap. And then for, you know, as the cap goes up, um, you know, over the next, you know, three years here, I mean, it's probably going to stay right in that, that 18% range. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a pretty good deal. I mean, my question for, for, with RJ in New York and, um, was would, would he equate to kind of being that third guy on a championship-level team in New York? I don't, I don't think he is. I think he's a solid starter here. I think if you're, you know, if you're looking to build a, a roster around him, that's probably not not the case. I think he's, I think he's probably an upgrade over if you were looking to maybe get Andrew Wiggins in a deal. I mean, he's a younger upgrade um, from from that perspective here. Certainly, going home to uh, to Canada, I think is a a big deal. Um, so I'm I'm fine with the contract. I, I don't, I'm not a you know I'm not a you know this is not a dead dead weight contract here just based on. Um, you know, it's a below max uh, contract for a guy that, you know, has the, the, you know, has the potential to be a top starter in this league. 
All right, uh, Bobby. I know I gotta let you go here. You're you're in Lake Tahoe and making time. I'm in Lake Tahoe, man. I was right. I was literally getting on the gondola when the uh, the rarity, like December trades, never happen. Like it just doesn't never. happen. And I turned to my wife and I says, I gotta go back to the room. And she's like, Really? I'm like, Yeah. And um, so like I'm in like ski gear, like sweating my you know what off here and in this hotel room. And um, yeah, so I, I do have to. Somehow, I'm not a big skier, but get up on the slopes. But I was, we got everything out that we needed to do. I think there's a video that's going to come up soon. Um, but all in all, I think if you're a Raptor fan, I think you have to be happy with the trade. So it's certainly where the team is right now. And I think it kind of gives you a little bit more of a direction where they're going. Now you got to figure out kind of what happens with uh, with Siakam. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask you before we got off here. Um, your colleague, Adrian Wojnarowski, including at the end of his piece on this trade, that Toronto is expected to continue to explore trades involving Siakam, but there are no deals with traction right now. Bobby, you were on the Raptors show with us the other week, and we kind of yeah. talked about how this December 30th deadline of sorts for Siakam extension isn't really all that much of a deadline. It's only the extension deadline if you wanted to turn around and trade him again yeah. on July 1st. Um, what do you make of, of how this might impact the Siakam situation, if at all? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're a, a team out there with Siakam, is that you have to be comfortable him going into um, unrestricted free agency, you know, because all the extension stuff that we talked about is not going to be on, on the plate. So if you're if you're a team like Indiana um, or Sacramento, I mean, look, Sacramento last night basically benched Barnes um, and Herter in that win in, in Atlanta here. Um, are you comfortable going after um, Siakam and what's the price tag going to be? And if you're Toronto, are you comfortable if it's only a first you're getting back in, in you know, in, in a couple of role players here? So that's, that's kind of the, the you know, the debate you got to have going back and forth, um, you know, over the next five weeks. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a tough one here. And obviously, you know, the lack of clarity. This one came out of nowhere. We figured this was going down to the deadline uh, with any of these guys in the direction choices. So maybe they'll catch us off guard again. Hopefully not when you're about to hit the hill. Uh, Bobby Marks, thanks so much <laughs> for taking the time out, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bobby Marks. Uh, front office insider at ESPN. So some stuff to dissect there in terms of uh, the cap and the, you know, the next contracts for guys. So um, that's something that's probably better in written form. So I'll do that a little later this weekend over at sportsnet.ca um, for right now, though, again, uh, it's OG Ananobi who we would expect then the Knicks to re-sign as an unrestricted free agent this offseason because you don't give up a, a couple of assets for a guy that you don't intend to keep. The Knicks also pick up Precious Achua and Malachi Flynn, who are both restricted free agents this summer. We'll see how they fit. Precious has a more obvious role there with Mitchell Robinson out for the season. Malachi Flynn probably just guard depth. On the Raptors side, they pick up R.J. Barrett, who does have three more years left on his deal beyond this year at about $85 million total. And Emmanuel Quickly, who is a restricted free agent this summer. You know, Bobby threw out the number of about maybe $20 million per year for quickly. We'll see. Maybe he explodes uh, when he joins the Raptors here and he ends up being a little bit more expensive. But if you're the Toronto Raptors, you don't trade OG Ananobi, a player of that caliber, a player who has that market, a player who's been a part of your franchise for seven years, if you don't think you're going to re-sign Emmanuel quickly as a restricted free agent uh, this summer. And, you know, as a reminder, the way the NBA cap works, there is some value in having the restricted free agent rights on Emmanuel quickly versus trying to sign him as a free agent. There's also value. They have acquired his bird rights, which means even if they don't carve out cap space this summer, they can go over the cap to re-sign him because he's now 
their own guy. So uh, an important consideration there as well. And then the Raptors also pick up the Pistons second round pick in this draft, which will be uh, 31st or 32nd. Uh, probably, unless the Pistons start a run today. Um, we're not done dissecting the OG trade, but as a reminder, the Raptors are in action tonight at 6 o'clock against the Pistons. We'll have that game for you on Sportsnet 590. The fan, um, that is a potential game where the Pistons would set the all-time record for any North American uh, team sport in terms of losses in a row. It'd be their 29th in a row. Um, we're going to speak to Eric Green and Samson Folk in the next little bit here, as we continue to break this one down, I've gotten a lot of tweets and apologies if I'm not responding to those or being able to get to them on air. It's obviously a lot kind of dissecting all of this on the fly, but I'll make sure I get to them after it's uh, I, I just, I also, while we wait for Eric Kareen here, uh, I would just like to take a second to express a very sincere appreciation for OG Ananobi and the time he spent in Toronto. I think anyone who's followed my work, listened to my work, knows how fond I am of OG, both as a player and as a, a, a person over the years. You know, I know he doesn't talk uh, a lot with the cameras on, but I've gotten to know him a little bit. And he was always, uh, you know, a very nice person to deal with in, on top of being a very good basketball player. And I think he's going to be a great fit in New York. So hopefully this is a case, especially where the timelines aren't in conflict. You know, the Raptors aren't going to be a 5-6 seed in the East this year. Um, so you can kind of hope for a, a win-win here where, yeah, you're happy with the return you got. You you think maybe it was the right time and the right thing to move away from OG Ananobi, even if, or especially if you didn't think you could re-sign him in the off season. Um, but you also hope the best for him and hope it works out with the Knicks. Plus if it works out with the Knicks and they take a bite out of a team like the Celtics or 76ers that you don't particularly like, maybe it's a, it's an extra little bit of fun for Raptors fans. It might not be fun today against the Pistons because it's now a shorthanded Raptors team against a team that's trying to avoid setting an all time futility record. Our pal, Eric green is, uh, is, in Detroit. Uh, we're going to talk to him momentarily here. We're going to talk to him about the trade, but also about, uh, you know, Eric's been on this road trip. So he, he saw that, uh, that ugly win against Washington, but that marked a, an actual change and a, a tough loss against Boston last night where the Raptors dug themselves a 20 point hole, climbed out of it. And then, uh, yeah, did not manage to pull it out at the very end. It's now Eric Green of the athletic joining us. It's going to be an even thinned out Raptors team. Did, like, obviously, you were, you're were you on this road trip because you were born to write the story where the Raptors are the ones who break the Undertaker-like streak of the Detroit Pistons. Um, does them losing a handful of pieces for this game tonight make you think it is even likelier that they're the team that the Pistons break the streak against? Or are we possibly looking at a weird, you know, Kings-Raptors trade moment where actually uh, the, the Raptors surprise us tonight? Is there a version, uh, like a Piston, like who's similar to Kobe that's coming back for this game as well? Uh, uh, Joe Harris? Uh, I, I don't know. That, <laughs> um, I think it probably, you know, hurts. The, I mean, the rational answer is it hurts their chances a little bit. Uh, on the other hand, I think we've seen that group play enough uh, that it's not like you were feeling super confident going into the game anyway. So it probably takes a bit of a hit, and um, it will be interesting to see how they deal with uh, Cade Cunningham. Obviously, OG would have had a bunch of uh, 
uh, minutes on him, but uh, I, I don't think it changes the calculation that much, uh, but a little for sure. So you've been on this trip. You are, I guess, officially the last Raptors media to have spoken to OG Ananobi as a Toronto Raptor uh, for a really good piece you had off of last night's game, kind of talking about how, yeah, Darko Ryakovich wants it to be one way, uh, but it's the other because the team hasn't played well enough. Um, What is your, I mean, it's not initial reaction now. It happened about two hours ago at this point, but the kind of, the, the quickness and, and out of nowhereness with we, we all knew OG Ananobi getting traded was a possibility, but it coming, you know, a day after you spoke to him, a day after he played a big role in, in a game against Boston and a, a little out of nowhere here timing wise. Yeah, it's a strange one. And, and as I tweeted a, a little bit ago, the piece that I was going to write was actually about how OG might be worth a little more to, uh, the rest of the league than to the Raptors just because of obviously what was happening with the Raptors and and because of the way the Raptors lost that game uh, last night, I I sort of pivoted. Um, Yeah. I I mean, all signs seem to be pointing and this is another reminder not to take what is said publicly about the Raptors necessarily at face value because they work you know, very quietly and uh, very differently than a lot of other organizations. But all points seem to be, um, all signs seem to be pointing toward them being more interested in trading Siakam uh, than Ananobi. Um, You know, certainly the Knicks made sense as a trade partner, except if you include (laughs) the, the whole, you know, unprecedented team suing another team part of things. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a shock. I think it's the first time I've ever been on the road while a big trade like that, um, like this one happens. I wasn't with the team for the Rudy Gay trade uh, or uh, the Serge Ibaka trade. And I, I think every other trade I've been at home. And uh, it'll be interesting to get to the arena and see what what really, what the mood is. And I, I think the first person and, and maybe the most important person to talk to about this will be Pascal Siakam since he's sort of, not sort of, uh, you know, along with Chris Boucher, he's the last champion standing in that locker room. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, and certainly played a, a bigger role uh, in that. Obviously, Boucher was a, a part of those teams, but Pascal really the last kind of full-time rotation piece. Um, Eric, when you look at the return that the Raptors got for OG Ananobi here, uh, also Precious Achua and Malachi Flynn, outbound um they get back rj barrett they get back emmanuel quickly they get back uh, what act, funny enough detroit's second round pick uh this year which will almost certainly be 31 or, or 32 uh overall um what is your your first reaction to the return here and did the rj part of this or the quickly part of this kind of catch your attention more um, I, you know, I think when we do these trades, we all expect them, uh, these, or do these exercises in what a trade could look like. We all expect it to be, you know, multiple picks and somebody. And all reports with the Raptors uh, dealing in the last few years, and this goes back to Van Vliet, is like, in addition to picks, like, they were really interested in getting, you know, young contributors. That that was a big part of it, and that's probably a big reason why no trade happened last year uh, with any of the guys. Uh, to answer your second question, uh, it was quickly that jumped out. He's just the type of piece that this team uh, 
so obviously needs, and he makes perfect sense next to Scotty Barnes. Like he's obviously he's a capable creator, but that's not really at the heart of his game, um, or at least it certainly hasn't been at New York. He probably, and I mean not probably, he definitely has room to grow on that front, uh, and and should have more space to do so in Toronto. But you know him running pick and rolls with with Scotty just makes a lot of sense long term. Uh, Barrett, for however long that he, OG, or sorry, he, Siakam, and Barnes are playing together, you know, it's it's more crowded somehow than than uh, <laughs> what it was before with OG. Um, and I mean, most Raptors fans have watched Canada basketball games too, and you know, he, RJ, is definitely at his best when he's getting downhill and into the paint. That's where he's, you know, really physical and really tough. Uh, you might find some problems early in the day in in his early days with the Raptors. I, I don't, again, I don't think this is the last move, certainly. Um, uh, but that, that fit will be interesting to watch. And, you know, the guy's 23 and has been playing on a team with other priorities other than him. Uh, at some point he should receive sort of a bigger role in Toronto than he was playing with at the end in New York. Uh, so, you know, there's reason to be optimistic about both, but it was quickly that really jumped out as like the person who had the type of skills that the Raptors like really don't have right now. So this trade sends out three of the Raptors top eight players in terms of minutes so far this year in Ananobi, obviously who's a full-time starter Flynn and Achua, who until recent days had been fixtures in the rotation Barrett and quickly are going to absorb most of those minutes but tonight and maybe moving forward there could be some opportunities around the fringes the Raptors also have an open roster spot um, none of the two ways are expected to be with the team tonight two of them are playing right now in Mississauga and the other in Jonte Porter is uh, under the weather and, and out for that game but Eric when you look at how this might shake out do you see anyone still on the roster who could see a change in role or, or benefit from the extra time here uh, you sort of went a bit fuzzy on my end. I, I think the question was whether or not uh, there was anybody on the roster who could be stepping into a bigger role now that those guys are, uh, that OG, um, Flynn, and and Precious Achua are gone. Um, you know, I'll leave the G League analysis to you. Obviously, Jonte Porter was somebody who I had been looking at uh, and who'd been putting up numbers with Raptors 905, and I'd imagine he gets it uh, some time. Um, but, you know, Jalen McDaniels had a nice game last night. He'll get a chance, uh, a more realistic chance to fill those roles. He'll play tonight, obviously, with Otto Porter uh, likely not playing on a, on a back-to-back. Uh, you know, further, Chris Boucher, you know, the Chris Boucher, uh, Precious Achua fit off the bench, you know, while it proved, it, it certainly had its moments, like that, it was a lot of chaos going on. So um, I, I think Chris Boucher gets a, a, in the very short term, gets an obvious uh, spot to do his thing a little bit more. Um, and then from there, we'll see. But yeah, like I imagine it's quickly uh, and bear it once they're here uh, eating up a lot of those minutes. Yeah, and look, it makes uh, me taking such long looks at the G League a little more, more. It feels a little better now that there's an open roster spot and the Raptors project to have a, a little, still enough wiggle room under the tax to, to sign a 15th guy there, although uh, they will probably be patient uh, with that. Eric Kareen, you do have a piece up at The Athletic 
in coordination with Sean Strania and Fred Katz. Uh, everyone can go over there and take a look. Looking forward to more on this trade from you, but also, yeah, like I said, if they lose tonight, this is the story you were born to write. So enjoy it, man. Have you updated the spreadsheet yet, Blake? Not yet. I came right on radio, so uh, I got to take a look at that. <laughs> Get on. All right, buddy. Uh, good to talk to you, Blake, and uh, we'll chat soon. Eric Kareen of The Athletic. Again, you can head over to uh, theathletic.com to check out his work with Fred Katz of uh, the Knicks side of this as well. So you can get a little bit of uh, around the table perspective on this. Uh, someone else who did that already while we were on air in the first part was Samson Folk of Raptors Republic. They had a quick live reaction up over there. They will, of course, uh, dissect this and, and write about it in the coming days as well. But Samson Folk joins us now uh, from... We're all over the place today. We've had Lake Tahoe, Detroit, Saskatchewan, Montreal. Samson, how you doing, buddy? Hanging in. Uh, I had to use my hotspot. The Wi-Fi in Saskatchewan is usually not great, so I had to use my hotspot for that stream, which was kind of funny. But uh, yeah, hanging in, doing good. I would think a, a province with absolutely no obstructions or changes in elevation, you'd be getting better <laughs> Wi-Fi, but but maybe not. Um, okay, so Samson, this this deal goes down. You and I had talked a lot in the last couple of weeks about, hey, if the Raptors were to be sellers and they were to trade, whether it's OG or Pascal Siakam or something else, who are guys around the league that they could target who everyone knows are good, but maybe have one extra level that they can still get to in them? And a guy, you know, he wasn't at the tippy top of the list, but a guy both of us mentioned and I wrote about the other week was Emmanuel Quickly from the Knicks. Um, we can get into, you know, the value of the trade, the, the whole pieces, but let's start on Quickly. What do you like about Quickly? What do you think, you know, there is still to tap into for Quickly in terms of upside beyond what he's shown as a Nick? Okay, so the most important thing is that I consider, and I think a lot of NBA scouts consider around, 32 or 33 percent to be the number you want to hit as a pull-up three-point shooter to really drag and move around pick and roll coverages as a hub quickly in his four years in the league he's currently at 40 percent on high volume this season but he's never been below 33 percent he's hung around like 35 so he's a fantastic pull-up shooter which is a dynamic like it's dynamic in a way that the Raptors don't really have and it's more efficient than Fred Van Vliet had been the last couple of years. It's a huge deal, and that allows for a more dynamic approach in the pick and roll, which obviously will help revitalize some of Pirtle's value and his impact, which has been kind of flailing and fledgling um, for as long as Pirtle is here. The two-man stuff, I see every analyst around the NBA, from Nikias Duncan to Kevin O'Connor to you and myself, are going to talk about it. The burgeoning two-man game we all expect to see from Scotty and IQ, I think, should be really, really fun. And he's also no slouch at the point of attack. Um, you, you gave yourself the correct like pat on the back saying, like, hey, I, I mentioned this guy earlier, you know, last week, week and a half ago. It's correct. You know, we talked about how the Raptors should be trying to identify a guy who has, like, more pop, and they actually got one of those guys. I can't believe it was with the Knicks with the lawsuit and all that <laughs> stuff, but it, it was with the Knicks. Pretty cool. It's uh, it's very amusing that Woj has to include a line in his story. Oh, by the way, this has no impact on the ongoing lawsuit <laughs> between the two teams. Um, I think that's well said, Samson, in terms of, of quickly. And look, he's going to get 
a, a good chunk of season here to see what he can do in an expanded role. Um, would you, you'd anticipate him starting maybe not game one, but eventually he's going to start the bulk of this to, to see just how far he can extend his role and how far they can extend and gain chemistry with the quickly Barnes combo. You'd, you'd anticipate quickly starting probably playing, you know, upwards of 30 minutes a game. Yeah. If he isn't, I will be in that press room asking why not every single game. <laughs> uh, yeah, you and me, you and me both. Um, okay, so there are other parts in this deal as well. RJ Barrett is coming back to Toronto. Um, he has, of course, had kind of an up and down career so far. A lot of that to do with the expectations of being the number three pick and at one point kind of being hyped as could this guy be the best Canadian player of all time. Very good national team piece. A guy who was starting and playing 30 minutes on a pretty good Eastern Conference team in the Knicks. Um, If there's a concern, maybe it's that some of the shooting numbers and efficiency numbers have declined. Now, when we dig in, his catch and shoot numbers are still all right. It's those kind of pull-ups that you talked about quickly doing so well that haven't been there for RJ. Um, What do you make of the RJ side of this deal? Specifically, you know, his his near-term fit when you have a a Scotty Barnes and a Pascal Siakam in the mix as well? I think you mentioned the expectations that he's had for quite some time. I think even though he is coming home and that's, you know, the expectations he had were born out of, you know, being Canadian a little bit. I think that he's no longer like the third overall pick. Uh, The Raptors didn't invest that into him. He's a piece that comes back and he'll be asked to do a moderate amount of things on the wing for the Raptors but he won't have the same level of expectations. Uh, You are more aware of what he is as a player now. So any growth from here or any stagnation isn't, I don't think uh, terrible or anything like that. And I think that there is room for RJ, especially alongside Scotty to like play a more pace heavy game to get up the floor, to find opportunities to finish in transition. And for Scotty, like, especially if RJ can, you know, work on cutting, I think there might be a little bit more room on this team than the Brunson and Randall-led Knicks, there's opportunities for him to grow his offense a little bit. And I think it's really important with Quickly and Barrett both is that when guys can exist in healthy, effective defensive ecosystems, and Barrett has been part of good defenses for a long time, I like that a lot. I think that speaks well to what he'll be able to do when he comes to Toronto. Um, Maybe not a game changer on that end, but certainly not someone who's going to sink the defense. And when you have IQ elevating the Raptors backcourt, you know, in the aftermath of this trade, you're looking at like approximating some of OG's value on the wing and RJ will do some of that at least. Definitely not. Yeah, all, you, you mentioned the Raptors adding IQ. That is of course Emmanuel quickly, but I, I would imagine given the pieces here, there are probably <laughs> yeah. some tweets about the Raptors adding IQ uh, in general. Let's talk about what's going out here uh, as well. Uh, OG Ananobi, Precious Achua and Malachi Flynn outbound. Flynn kind of a roster balancing cap balancing piece here. The Knicks, I, I guess like on paper, get additional guard depth for after losing quickly. Don't imagine he sees a ton of time there, but with Precious Achua, they're down Mitchell Robinson for the season. Jericho Sims is out right now. They've been playing Taj Gibson nightly behind Isaiah Hartenstein lately. Um, when it comes to, I, I know Precious is a guy that you and Lewis Zatzman at Raptors Republic have written and talked about a lot over his time in Toronto. Uh, the the Raptors era for Achua is done. Do you see him potentially finding a, a fit with the Knicks? If there was a coach who he was going to find, you know, some space under, I think Thibodeau makes a lot of sense, especially with 
room, as you mentioned, with like Sims and, and Robinson being gone, that there's an opportunity for him there. I also think that the Knicks, like some of the hallmarks of their defense are similar to the defense that Precious had his best stretch under with, you know, with the Raptors. So I think that there's room for him there. Thibodeau probably will, you know, want to curtail a lot of the offensive freelancing. I think trying to fit around Jalen Brunson is really tough as a big, not because Brunson isn't fantastic, but he is really herky-jerky and trying to tune yourself into his pacing is a whole new ask for Precious that I think he might struggle with initially. But there's also a lot of room to like cut as, you know, Randall and Brunson both they get into the teeth of the defense, teams collapse upwards. There's a lot of baseline. There's a lot of 45 cut uh, opportunities for guys. Precious has been, you know, a really efficient cut finisher for a long time. I wonder if that happens. And also, you know, it'll be the same thing that happened with Toronto. It's about efficient decision-making on offense and the three-point shot sticking around at a respectable, you know, level so that he gets to really lean into his athleticism and kind of pop and punch gaps all over the floor. And defensively, the more in-system he is, the better he's going to be because he is so talented on that end. So uh, it's a big swing in some respects. And, you know, the Knicks, I think they're more so setting themselves up to have, like, you know, Jalen, Randall, OG, and then another guy. I think OG is the first step of hopefully they're taking two. Um, But as far as, like, the outlook for the Knicks now, I I don't think they got a whole bunch better. but they're definitely in a better position to be elite going forward, I should say. Uh, big news day on a Saturday, December 30th, middle of the afternoon, middle of the holiday week. Yeah. Anyway, if there are any baseball fans out there, Chris Sale just got traded the Atlanta Braves, uh, according to Jeff Passan. So uh, a lot going on. Busy, busy editing desks uh, today. Samson, wow. uh, OG Ananobi is obviously the other big piece going back to, to New York in this trade. Um, when we look ahead, this, this is probably a trade that we're going to have to and I don't mean this as a cop-out, we can evaluate the trade right now, but it'll depend a little bit on, you know, hey, what does the market end up being for OG as a UFA? What could the price have been? You know, what is the price on Emmanuel quickly as a restricted free agent? Um, When you look at the Raptors' decision to make this move, like separate of the actual return, what that signals to you about... um, you know, OG's future in Toronto or what that market might be like and the team's overall direction. Can you read those tea leaves at this point? Like to me, it kind of feels like OG was honest with them that he maybe wasn't super eager to re-sign with them as an unrestricted free agent unless they really gave him, you know, every penny that was on the table from someone else. He's also a CAA client now, which the Knicks are loaded up on CAA the way the Lakers load up on clutch. Um, Do you read much into any of that or, or do you think are you treating this kind of as an as an isolated single move for right now i think you we don't have to read tea leaves like i'm sure you heard stuff right like i'm yeah. sure like og og probably wasn't coming back and so all things considered this this deal viewing it through that lens is maybe some people might view that as like you're doing toronto too many favors i don't know but og you know there there's been stuff for a long time and he was just on the precipice of, you know, being able to have the autonomy himself instead of, you know, through agents and whispers and front office stuff. He has the autonomy to make that change as the the sole decision maker in free agency. And he, as you said, honest with the Raptors about his intentions going forward. 
puts them in a position where they can make a decision where they don't lose him for nothing, like what happened with Fred. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that was talked about, about OG wanting more of a role, him being underpaid for so long, him wanting to go elsewhere. I mean, you know, the essences of truth in that obviously led to what we see today. I definitely don't think it's, uh, it's not isolated at all. Now they have a couple other players who are in similar situations, not exactly the same because, you know, Pascal Siakam has a different market and has not been underpaid. Gary Trent Jr., uh, you know, to, to this point, the bet on himself he took by picking up his player option seems to be uh, seems to have been a, a losing bet there. You know, there are also players like a, a Chris Boucher who could help a contending team, maybe a, an auto porter who, you know, could as a 12th man type on a, on a contending team, may, maybe fit in somewhere. Um, what do you expect the direction to be from here? Like I, Woj included a note in his write up that. The Raptors are still exploring Pascal trade opportunities and are continued to are expected to continue exploring those. Um, but nothing w- was gaining traction there. Um, those other fringier moves are probably something they do regardless of Siakam direction. But would you expect more from here? Yeah, it's it makes you think just because the implications with Siakam's obviously his his contract situation today is the big big day that it happened today maybe seems to indicate or speak to some people that there might be motion or traction there. But Woj saying like, well, they're still looking, I think is they're probably still looking then. And I don't think that's, you know, either camp playing the game versus one another. I think they're probably looking to move Siakam and, you know, whatever the team looks like going forward, maybe it does include him in the future. Maybe it doesn't. Um, With Boucher, teams have been like sniffing around on Boucher for two years now. He's been a guy that, has been asked about a lot by other teams, but hasn't like nobody's pulled the trigger. Obviously they couldn't find trades that worked. Um, He's interesting. He's good, especially for like a, you know, an energy big off the bench that some teams are looking to Otto Porter jr. Is a swing. You know, if teams think they can get, you know, like a three week healthy thing out of him during the playoffs, maybe they like that. And Gary, I really have no idea. He could go for like a second round pick maybe an early second at the deadline. And I wouldn't be surprised. And I wouldn't be surprised too, if he came back to the Raptors on like, I don't know, a a team friendly deal or something like that. But um, I think it's completely possible that future moves will be made. Uh, Okay. So tonight they're playing the Detroit Pistons. And this is the last one before I let you get on with your uh, holiday time, Samson. And we we wrap up here overall. Um, The Raptors are going to be a little thinned out tonight. Of course, Uh, the trade is not official yet. So you're not going to have RJ and uh, and Emmanuel quickly there. You're not going to have any of the three outbound pieces. Two of the two-way guys are playing literally right now with the 905 in Mississauga, and one of them is out sick. Um, there are going to be some holes in the rotation. Jalen McDaniels had a pretty good night last night, certainly his best night as a Raptor. Is he the one guy you'd look at? Like, obviously, RJ and Quickly are going to absorb most of the minutes that were outbound and probably even actually more then we're outbound. But if there is a window here for someone to run with a little bit more opportunity, is it a McDaniels? Is it a Boucher back in the Achua spot? Do we maybe even see a Grady Dick cameo? How, how do you think that trickles down tonight? Yeah, I think we're going to get some of the the freaky lineups, like the <laughs> Funk Fest quartet stuff that you, the Raptors found success with in 2021-22. And they're just going to have to be wingy, and see what they can do with it with like McDaniels and Boucher coming in. And Schroeder has been quite effective over the last two games. I don't know what his role will be like tonight. You know, asking him 
to shift a little bit mentality and roll a little bit. And then two games later, completely shaking up the, the rotation with a trade, who knows what he's going to be asked to do tonight. But um, tonight I think will be a testament to both Scotty and Pascal. Mostly uh, the stars are the ones that will you through the games that you just have to have to have to win when other things maybe aren't going well. And when there's external stuff like trading OG and an OB precious to and Malachi Flynn, if you don't want to be the team that loses these Pistons, I think mostly it's going to rest on the shoulders of Pascal and Scotty to kind of elevate them above that, even with everything going on. But there will be some weird lineups for sure. Yeah, it's also Scotty and Kate are boys, so I wonder how much the uh, yeah. extra level of pride kicks in for Scotty not wanting to, uh, obviously probably feeling bad for his friend, but not wanting to be the one he uh, he corrects it against. Samson Folk, uh, thanks for taking the time out this afternoon, man. Keep up all the great work at Raptors Republic. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye, listeners. Uh, that was Samson Folk of Raptors Republic. We're going to wrap up here. I think, uh, you know, close to a two-hour emergency Raptors show is probably enough. So uh, a thank you to Michael Grange and William Liu, Eric Green, Joe Wolf on Samson Folk, Bobby Marks, all for joining us. Um, wrap this up here. The Raptors are trading OG Ananobi, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn to the New York Knicks. Flynn and Achua kind of on the fringes of the rotation, headed for restricted free agency. The Raptors obviously deciding they were not going to be pieces of the long-term future here. OG Ananobi, the big one, a seven-year Raptor, an extremely well-liked person and player and an elite three and D guy, uh, you know, 40% catch and shoot three point shooter. One of the league leaders in corner threes every year, a very versatile multi-position defender. Um, very, very good defender in general, an all defense guy, but headed to unrestricted free agency with a lot of rumblings that he would not be, uh, returning to the Raptors or, or if he was, it was going to cost them every dollar he could get somewhere else. So the Raptors making the decision here to part ways with Ananobi to get an early start on their deadline work. They bring back Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett and the Detroit Pistons second round pick this year. So the 31 or 32 pick uh, RJ Barrett, a guy Canadian basketball fans know very well, three more years at like 85 million uh, owed to him beyond this year which is a big number, but a declining portion of the cap as the cap continues to rise. He's a guy who's been playing 30 minutes uh, as a starter on a pretty good team. Raptors might look to use him a little differently. Certainly hope that three-point percentage comes up. And then the headline item, at least for me, Emmanuel quickly, a very, very good kind of combo style guard who can really get his own shot, hits pull-up threes at a good rate, has a good mid-range game, works pick and roll well, uh, a guy who had shown this for a couple years now, but was blocked from expanding more in New York because of Jalen Brunson, which is very understandable. Jalen Brunson's a very, very good player, and playing those two guys together would make you uh, pretty small in the backcourt because uh, Jalen Brunson is generously listed at 6'2", and Emmanuel Quickly is listed at 6'3". So um, probably some upside here for Quickly to tap into. He'll get more opportunity in terms of minutes, probably more opportunity in terms of starting, uh, certainly more opportunity in terms of role with the Toronto Raptors. He projects as a pretty nice fit next to Scotty Barnes once they figured the chemistry out offensively. Uh, so that part of it is exciting. Quickly headed for restricted free agency this offseason where the Raptors will be able to match any offer for him. And also if they're not a cap space team, they'll now have the rights to Quickly so they can go over the cap to keep him if they need. Because of that, because of OG's free agency, this is maybe one that your final grade won't come in until you see what those next contracts are for guys. Um, but on the surface, 
you know, it looks like the Raptors made a decision on Ananobi. We've all been asking them to make a decision on a couple guys for a, a long time now. And in doing this trade, they get someone in quickly who, you know, has a higher upside certainly than OG and we'll see in an expanded role um, might be, you know, not the defender OG is and certainly a different style of player, but for this team could be, you know, just as good and just a good, just as good a fit. Um, RJ, someone who, you know, you're not getting surplus value out of that contract, given that he's already gotten paid at at, a, at what was at the time uh, a max level is no longer a max level. Um, but again, a guy who is still only 23 has a couple years left on his deal and uh, at the least is, you know, a capable starting piece. So um, if you assume that OG Ananobi was not particularly eager to stick around after this season as an unrestricted free agent, I think you could be pretty Okay, with the return here. I like Quickly a lot. Like I said off the top, he's a guy who in a piece at sportsat.ca the other week, I identified as, hey, if you're going to sell, here are a couple young guys who, you know, have shown a lot, but maybe have an extra level they can reach in a new situation or, or if they find the right, you know, the right next skill development or the right next situation development. Quickly was a guy that, that I wrote about in that piece. So uh, obviously I'm uh, pot committed on Quickly. I, I like him as a as a player. I think there's upside there to tap into um, a little tough because I really like OG Ananobi as a player and a person. He's been a very, very good Toronto Raptor, but sometimes these things end and you have to make hard decisions. There are hard decisions still ahead for the Toronto Raptors. Pascal Siakam, an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Gary Trent Jr., an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Also some questions tonight as they play the Detroit Pistons to try to avoid being a part of history. That game uh, we have it for you on Sports at 590, the fan at 6 p.m. I'm going to wrap here. Interested to hear everyone's thoughts on this trade as uh, as it takes time to settle and as the Raptors have you know their first day with these guys in the mix. Probably Monday, uh, a New Year's Day game here in Toronto against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I hope you have enjoyed this emergency edition of the Raptors show. Hope you guys are all having a wonderful weekend and a wonderful holiday season. The Raptors show with Will Liu, Alex Wong, and myself returns January 2nd uh, in its usual 2 to 4 p.m. slot on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. And as always, Will Liu's got you covered with reaction pods. Uh, so we'll talk to you then. <laughs>